Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. you guys enjoy that? Kind of fun, huh? Out of the box and, and doing something different. And I'll tell you this. Whenever we set aside time to intentionally visit with the Lord, we never go away empty-handed. And so I hope that you guys learned a valuable lesson, um, not, and not just heard from the Lord at those stations, but that you learned, whoa, I could do that anywhere. Like I can put up a, a scripture on my wall, sit on the floor, and just read it over and over and think about it, right? I can write out my prayers to God. I can tell the Lord what I'm thankful for. So um, I hope that that was a very... Uh, beneficial exercise for you guys. I love I loved doing those kind of things in my own life. Um, tonight, we are continuing and ending um, our current sermon series, which is one more thing. One more thing. And this is my attempt after several years of being here, just talking at you guys all the time. I remember you were the little girl. Tiffany was the little girl and she, would, she was like the sixth grader who wanted to sit in the front row. And I was like, no, our upper class, we need to set the example. So I'd like, I kicked them out of the row and they'd keep coming back. And now you guys are sitting in the front row and I'm not kicking you out anymore, huh? Good times, good times. Um, so I've been talking at you guys for years, but before I leave, I got one more thing. Just one more thing. And I said, it's actually like two or three more things. But uh, tonight I want to, with you, take a stroll down memory lane. Memory lane. Anybody here like memory lane? No? How many people here? I hate memory lane. It's in Portland. No, no, different memory lane. This is a metaphorical memory lane. Um, how, how many of you guys actually enjoy looking at uh, family photos, home videos, things like that? Okay. Anybody in here like me, I, for some reason, I just, I just, I don't like it. I don't know why. I think it just kind of makes me sad. I just, I'm like, life is going way too fast. Anybody not like family videos, home videos? I know it's just me. You're like, you're cruel, Sam. And I don't even like Christmas. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But your face was legit. She was like, I can't sit in this room anymore. <laughs> you're concerned. Uh, we're going to take a, a stroll down memory lane because I think it's important to remember. It's important to remember. And so you guys, you know, especially at this age, like if you were to look at a picture of me three years ago, you're like, that's Sam. You look at a picture of her three years ago, you're like, she was a baby, right? You guys are changing so fast. So let's, you know, you look back at family pictures or old pictures and you're just, you know, your first reaction is like, oh, oh, it's like little Kiki. Oh my goodness, right? <clears throat> I, <laughs> I don't know why we're clapping. You should be nervous because you're like, my picture could be in there, right? You look at, oh, look at that, right? You look at these pictures and you just go, oh my gosh. Oh my God, I, I remember that. I, that felt like so long ago. And you, you look at these old pictures and you go, wow, look how far we've come. Oh, look at Larry, Ethan, look at you, Ethan, in middle school, right? Garrett newbie. This is your plaid champion right here. Look at him, right? Didn't even fit in his glasses yet. Now he's a grown man. Garrett. Aw, Natalie. Where are you, Natalie? You kind of look the same. No, a little bit, maybe? I don't know. Aw, uh, oh, Dubs. Where are you, Dubs? Look at that one, right? Little tiny Dubs. 
and then Gracie. Oh, this is pre-braces, Gracie. Oh. So why do I do this? Why am I talking about that? Because when we look at our family pictures, when we look at old pictures, we are reminded of where we've come from. And then we realize we've come a long way. We realize where we are now. And you look around the room and you compare and you go, whoa, that's not you anymore. You, you now look like this. Remember your past. You realize how far you've come in the present. And every once in a while, you get a glimpse of your future, right? Maybe you're talking to your parents or, or you're talking to your grandparents and you see, you see grandma make a face and you're like, oh my gosh, I now know what I'm gonna look like when I'm 85 years old, right? Because I, I make that same, I got it from you, grandma. And every once in a while, you just get little glimpses into what your future is. And so you're just, you're sitting there and then all of a sudden you just like sneeze. And before you know it, you're just like, it's like magic. You just, you know? Somebody's concerned. Man, I was talking to Courtney the other day. I was like, how do you feel about getting married? You know, like, are you excited? And she's like, I, I think it's going to be great. And then she got married and she came back to the office and it was like, we just saw her future. It's like, like this is witchcraft on the screen. Your past, your present, your future. Memory lane. It reminds you of where you've been. It teaches you where you are and it gives you a little glimpse of where you're going. And so tonight for my final citizen's sermon, I wanna take a trip with you down memory lane. Would you go with me? Will you come with me to memory lane? It won't be long, just a little trip. We're gonna walk down memory lane. But here's the thing, we're not going to remember, we're not going to look at pictures of where we have been like over the last several years. I don't wanna go down memory lane of like citizens and Sam, like our personal history. I want us to go down memory lane and remember what God has done. I want us to look at our past, at our present, and our future so that we can realize and be encouraged and, and be inspired to maintain the course of what God is doing. And so are you ready for memory lane? Yes. You're like, dear God, there better not be pictures of me. There's no more pictures of you. Actually, there's a few, there's a few. And so are you guys ready? Colossians, open up your Bibles. You know the drill, come on, open up those Bibles. Colossians chapter one, verse 21, Colossians chapter one, verse 21. We only have three verses tonight, but are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for memory lane? Yeah, yeah? you wanna see yourselves? <laughs> well, too bad, here we go, here we go, memory lane. Colossians one, this is God's word for you students. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is our, our assignment for the evening. This is God's word to you. So let's go back to the top and let's look at the first part again, okay? Look what he says. 
And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. First thing we see here, the first thing we see on memory lane is your past. It's your past. Where have you come from? What's your family like? What were you doing? What do your childhood pictures look like? What is your past? You ever cringe looking at any of those photos? Anybody have that picture? Come on, let's be real. Anybody have that picture that when your mom brings it out, you're like, mom, not the one with me eating turkey in the middle of the dinner. Ah, you know, and she's like, that's my favorite one of John. He's so cute. <laughs> mom, I'm gorging myself. God, you ever have that picture? Well, the picture that we actually have here of our past, I actually, you should post that picture to social media and tag Citizens Memory Lane. I want to see those. Would you do that for me? Thank you very much. The picture that we get here is just as cringy. As a matter of fact, it's actually more than cringy. It's like painful. Look, there's three pictures here. Look what he said. Let's flip through the pictures, okay? The first picture we see, he says, you were alienated. This is your, the state of your relationship with God. We're looking back. Remember where we came from. In that day, the state of your relationship with God is alienated, okay? separated from, estranged, not friends. When you're alienated from someone, when you're estranged, you are not on speaking terms. We not cool. And so maybe you've seen Hallmark movies, which are popular around this time of the year, and you hear the story of the brother who was estranged from his sister, right? That's like every movie ever on Hallmark. They're estranged. They're not talking. They're not in relationship. One of the people might even say, you're dead to me. I want no relationship. It's hard enough to imagine being estranged to a sibling. Like imagine, like look at your brother, look at your sister. Imagine you guys were like, we're gonna act like we're not siblings. Hard enough to be estranged to a sibling. What do you think it's like being estranged to the creator of the universe? It's a painful picture. We were alienated from God, not on speaking terms. Not only the state of our relationship. Look at this next picture. Say cheese, because this is another self-portrait. You were hostile in mind. Unfriendly, aggressive, opposed to something. This is an enemy mindset, right? You are on the other side of the field from me. I'm, darks, I'm uh, dark jerseys, you're light jerseys, opposed. And Paul is like, man, I know we don't like looking through these family portraits, but that was you. You were on the other side of the field from God. You know, a lot of people, they, they think that they're neutral toward God. Maybe you have friends in school and they go, I don't, I, don't, well, I don't really serve God, but I don't necessarily hate him. I'm just, I'm neutral, I'm whatever. But when we look at our past, that's actually not true. That's actually not true. We weren't neutral toward God. He says we were hostile, right? Before Jesus saves us, we are hostile. You may think, no, 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 I, honestly, I don't have anything against him. It's not hostile toward him as a person, but our way of life even is hostile. It is opposed to the designer's way of life. And so even people who think they're neutral, no, they're actually living in a way that says, no, no, 
I have to choose. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to live for you. That is hostile, which is very clear when you look at not only the state of their mind, look at the state of their actions. The final Polaroid, I promise. No more pictures after this because these are painful pictures of our past. He says, you were doing evil deeds. Our deeds were evil. Well, sure, I mean, I'm not Hitler. Like we think evil as Hitler, maybe right under murderers, rapists, thieves. And then we go below, and we have that kind of this hierarchy, right? And we go, whoa, 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 come on, right? Like you, you, get, you get the family pictures and you're like, no, there's no way my braces look that bad, right? The, the camera adds 10 pounds of metal, you know? Oh, there's no way my bangs were really that bad back in the day. I swear they were cool. And we look at these pictures and we go, come on, was that really me? Were we really evil? You were misguided. You were just a little confused. Evil, ouch, these are some harsh pictures. But it's true. Evil is not just what we define as evil. We don't get to create some hierarchy of what's evil, what's kind of decent, what's okay, what's really bad. Whatever goes against the design of the creator. The creator gets to define evil. He defines it, not our own modern sensibilities and grades that we give. He has created human beings with with boundaries. He has designed it how we should treat one another. He has designed it how we should respond to him. And so when we don't do that, we are doing evil deeds. Do you guys like this? uh, (laughs) You like these pictures? These are harsh pictures. So who he's talking to? Who is he talking to? And you. Who's the you? Is it you? Is it you? Like, who's the you? Who, who's the recipient? No, the you is actually plural. And so he's talking to you. If you were to translate that Greek word in the Southern version, it'd say y'all. Because guess what? Those pictures, that was all of y'all. That was all of you. That was all of you. You need to hear that again. That was all of you. And here's why you need to hear it again. Because the longer you follow Christ, the longer you become a Christian, the the more Christian your family is, we start to look at those pictures in the Bible of our past and we almost forget that they're our pictures. And we go, oh, that was, yeah, that's the world, right? That's the world. Those are the people who didn't grow up in church. Those are the people that were just really bad. No, no, that was you, and you need to own it and you need to understand it. And maybe there's some of you in here that you're actually, those are actually even your present pictures and we'll get there. But if you do this right here, this move, you feel that? And if you feel something, it's you. We were all born with this sin in our veins. And so I get it. I'm looking around and I already hear, kind of hear your objections. And here's your question. What if I grew up in church? Sam, I don't have a testimony. I was never doing evil deeds. I was never hostile in mind. I was never, you were never. Oh, see students, you must understand this because as soon as you are born, and I don't mean this to offend you because your boy's in the same camp. When you were born, there was sin in your veins. Like father, like son, like mommy, like daughter. Adam and Eve, 
they have passed down sin to all of us. Well, that's not what I learned in school. I learned in school in psychology class that we're all blank slates and we're all really good and the bad influences ruin us. That's not what the Bible says. We are all born with sin in our veins. And so here's the thing. If you grew up in church and you came to know the Lord even at a young age, those are still your pictures. That's what Jesus saves you from. Your life, there's sin in your veins. And the moment that you know the difference between right or wrong, you got to deal with that sin. And Jesus, even if it was at a young age, Jesus saves you from a lifetime of acting out those things and following the trajectory. So even if you grew up in church, don't make the mistake of going, well, that's not my past. That was your past. And if it wasn't for Jesus, it would have been your future too. That's your testimony that Jesus took me who was born a sinner and he kept me and saved me. This is your past. But that's the good news, Christian, that these are past photos. Some of you guys look at yearbooks from middle school and you're like, that's the good news. That was the past, right? I have glowed up. And some of you guys have glowed up and you're beautiful. These are past photos. We're not there anymore. And so Paul, he he reminds us of our past, but look how he encourages us, okay? Look what he says next, all right? He has now, everybody say now. now. That's the past. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So we saw your past and now we have your present. You're like, I paid attention in grammar. This is your present. Look what he says. Remember how we were enemies? Remember how we were estranged? Remember how you weren't talking to your sister? Remember how she said you're dead to her? Remember when you were on the opposite side of the field? You have now been reconciled. Same team. We're together. We're at peace. We're no longer at odds. There is peace and friendship and unity and warmth and love with your creator. If you know me, you know I hate being at odds with people. Like if somebody's mad at me, I'm not like, Psh, well, they can be mad. I'm like, no, 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 tell me what's wrong. What could I have done? Tell me. Come on, let's just talk about this. Come on. Because I'm like, if we can talk about it, like we can be cool. And if I know that somebody out there is mad at me, it eats me alive. Anybody like that? right? And then you're sitting up at night staring at the ceiling and you're making those funny faces out of the popcorn ceilings. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I did wrong. That's a bear, (laughs) right? That's me because I'm just wacky after 10 o'clock at night. It kills me when I'm at odds with someone. And so when we reconcile, when we become cool, it's like there's this huge sigh in my soul where I go, we're cool again. We're good, Brooke. Thank you. Sorry. You know, we're good. We're good. How much bigger, how much greater, how much more relieving is the sigh when the reconciliation is me and God? And he says, this is where you are. This is what you are standing in. You and God, you're no longer at odds. You're no longer opposed. You are no longer an object of his wrath because you are swimming in sin. He now looks at you and he doesn't go, that's wrong. He goes, that's mine. 
and he reconciles you. I love the word reconcile because sometimes in relationships, we just try to get to neutral. Becky's mad at me. Well, you know what? We're just going to agree to disagree. We'll just shake it. We'll clear the air. All right, cool. We're back to zero. Have a nice life. Reconcile. God doesn't simply forgive you. He reconciles you to himself, which means there's now relationship and there is warmth replacing what used to be the coldness and the absence. That's you and God, Christian. Take a clear look at your present. This is what you are now standing in. You are with him. It's your present. And how did we come to this peace with God? How were you reconciled to him? Well, I just say sorry. What? Say sorry. How many of you know that saying sorry is not enough? Your boy comes over to your house and you're like, bruh, bruh, you wanna come over and play Xbox? Yeah, I do. Okay, all right, when should I be here? Bruh, just like come. I don't care, whenever. Okay, can I come now? Sure, all right, bye. And he comes over and he's like, he's like playing, bro, should we play like COD? No, it's so dead. Should we play Apex? Yes. And so you're sitting there playing Apex, right? Dude gets sniped. Head sniped, like, I know, dude. I know you're dying, okay? You're dying. He's like, he's not using any of the right terms. Dude, catch me on mic. And so he's playing the games. Dude gets sniped in the first three seconds and he just rage quits throws the remote control down. He starts just frothing at the mouth. He's like, that guy was probably a clicker on the keyboard. He wasn't even playing a real. And then he grabs your iPhone and throws it down and smashes it. And you're just sitting and you're like, brah. And then he looks at you and he goes, I'm sorry. All right, let's keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you as my $900 device was shattering into a minute. Sorry? I said sorry. What more do you want, bruh? What more do you want? What more would you want? What more do you, buy me a, you better buy me a phone. I'm sorry is not good enough. You have to make it right. You have to pay the debt. So here's my point, students. Christianity is not saying sorry. Christianity is not saying sorry to God. Christianity is Jesus coming and making it right because we couldn't. You better buy me a new phone. I'm broke. And oh, by the way, I'm in debt by millions of dollars. So I'll never be able to afford a pen, let alone an iPhone. It's not saying sorry, it's making it right. Jesus comes and he made it right. All of the evil that you did, all of the evil that was in your veins, all of the hostility toward him, all of the sin, all of the you breaking God's commandments. Students, Jesus paid our debts. He restored the things that you have broken. And how did he do it? In his body of flesh, by his death. How many of you have something other than a body of flesh? Like I have my body of flesh and then I have my body of spirit and then I have my, what? Your body is flesh. Why does he say body of flesh? Because he's reminding you. It's like an extra level of emphasis that God himself, he had a body, 
of flesh. Like he put on flesh. Why? For the very purpose of dying and killing that flesh. This is to emphasize the great lengths to which God went to reconcile you to himself. Jesus died for you so that you could live for him. And he didn't die for you when you were good. He didn't die for you once you got your act together. He didn't die for you after you listened to a few sermons and made some educated opinions about Christian. He died for you while you were still in that past state because of his great love. And then he brought you into this present state. But it's not over, students. You sit here now. This is your present, and I'm grateful for it. But it's not over. There's more. Look what happens next. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So we had your, now we have your, and now we're looking ahead to your future. When Jesus saves you, he begins a process. You guys, hey, if you don't get anything else tonight, this is what I want you to get. When God saves you, he begins a process. He is moving, he is working in your life and he is moving you toward something. There is momentum. There is a a great sense of whoosh in your life, okay? You're moving toward something in this Christian life. It is a process of growth and transformation that is moving toward a special day. I'll give you a metaphor. I'll give you a metaphor. September 1st, 2012. How many of you were alive September 1st, 2012? Just checking, just checking. You're like, I was two and a half, I was there. Best year of my life. September 1st, 2012 is the day I married my wife right? Girls always respond like, oh, guys are like, oh, I have so far to go. Get those man bucks, bruh. Here we go. September 1st, 2012, I got married, right? And so the wedding, the wedding was at three o'clock. So here's, here's my mindset. I'm like, what am I going to do all day until three o'clock, right? So like, we're planning outings. We're going out to eat. We ate like three meals. We're just like, And then we're like, all right, we did so much. What time is it? 10.30 in the morning. (laughs) Like I'm in DC. We had like a little destination. So I'm in DC. We're going around to the monuments. We're doing all this stuff. Because my mindset is simply this, yo. I'm going to get, I'm going to get ready. Like 30 minutes before I got to leave. Your boy's going to do a little (laughs) in the mirror, make sure he's good. And then I'm out. And then I'm going to go get married. Like, what do you got to do? So I'm I'm preparing for this with my my boy, Jared. Uh, Some of you guys know Jared. And, um, like, dude, we got to plan the whole day. So we got to like take up a ton of time. So that way it just makes the day go faster. So then I call, you know, my, my fiance at the time. I go, hey, Jordan, what, what are you going to do in the first part of the day to get rid of the day? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, the, the wedding's not till three. So like, what are you going to do? Are you going to have fun? Are you going to hang out? And she's like, excuse me? Like she looked at me like I was like, <laughs> she looked at me like I was illiterate. Like, huh? Huh? Right? Like, what do you mean what am I going to do all day? I'm like, babe, you have till three o'clock. What are you going to do before 2.30? And she was like, well, let me tell you, at 8 a.m., that's nails. At nine o'clock, 
We used to, we do pre-hair. I'm like, what's pre-hair? It's like before hair. <laughs> at 10 o'clock, we do face masks. At 11 o'clock, we go back over our nails with a shellac. I'm like, how many nails do you have, right? 12 o'clock, break for tea time. One o'clock, eyelashes. I'm like, you're putting on eyelashes? Shh, I need eyelashes, right? I'm just like, what is happening, right? Like, then it's hair time. Then you like the big updo. And it's like, I didn't understand it, but my wife understood that if she wanted to look like this on our wedding day, that she needed a process, okay? She's not like Beyonce. I woke up like this. No, she didn't wake up like this. She was using her day to get ready. And the thing that sustained her, the thing that excited her as she was getting ready all day, the reason why she gave such fervor and intensity, and when the leaders, excuse me, when the hairdressers in her life said, hey, it's time to get your hair ready, the reason why she listened and submitted is because she knew that this moment was coming. There was a moment where she would be walked down the aisle, presented to that good-looking groom, and she was like, woo, I better be ready for that good looking groom. And so for me, my day felt stagnant. My day felt like I have nothing to do, but when the wedding comes, I'll turn it on. But Jordan's day was characterized by a sense of momentum. We are going somewhere, something is coming. Are you living your life like Sam? on his wedding day or like Jordan on her wedding day? Are you living in your life with a sense of momentum where every morning you wake up and every night you go to bed, you go, this could be the day I see the groom because he's coming back and you don't know when he's coming back. What will he find you doing when he comes back? When the groom comes to get his bride, which is you, will he find you being faithful living for him, hair ready, nails done to the nines, eyelashes on, <laughs> ready to be presented to a good looking groom. You see, because the groom is holy. The groom is blameless. The groom is above reproach. Therefore, what should the bride be on the wedding day? He wants to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach. I've been hanging out with you guys for several years, and I can tell you, almost every single issue that we have talked about, over every single sin issue, relationship issue, drama, whatever teenage issue that you have been in my office or in my home, on my couch talking about, it all can boil down to this. You have stopped living your life with a sense of the coming future. And student, in this moment, the reason why this seems so hard, the reason why you're so angry, the reason why you want your sin, the reason why this is because you have forgotten what is coming. You have forgotten what God has done. You have forgotten what you now stand in and you have forgotten what God is doing in your life and he is working to present you on the wedding day. Here's another application when you realize that it's not just up to you to be ready. Like you're not just doing your own nails, you're doing your own eyelashes. That's hilarious, I think, just the eyelashes, but they do it. It's not just up to you to present yourself, but that God is working on you to present you. 
He is the subject. He did this. He has done this in order to present you. God is working on you. When you remember that, you start to look at all of your issues differently. You start to look at your drama differently. You start to look at your family of origin differently. You start to look at that issue you have with your cousins and your parents and your uncles differently. All of those things, if you understand this, all of those things, God is using them to present you. So go back to my wife, right? When that lady walks out with that huge contraption, like it's out of a horror movie, right? And she's like, what are you doing? Get away from me. You know, actually, no, I put this on your head and it does something to your hair. Like the stuff for the updo, you know? then things that look scary and intimidating actually become immensely useful. And you go, I'm going to embrace even the hard things. I'm gonna rejoice even in my sufferings because God, the great conservator, God, the great author must be up to something. He must be using this to get me ready for the wedding day. Anybody have any drama right now? Anybody going through something hard in your family? Any conflict with parents? God's using that. God's using that. He's using it to get you ready because that's your future. Because that's your future. And as I leave you guys, I take great comfort in this. I am confident that he who began a good work in you he's going to bring it to completion. I'm confident, students, that on that day, when we get to the wedding, I'm confident that me and you are gonna get to dance. Dance in heaven? Yes, it's called the marriage ceremony of the lamb. There's dancing at the wedding. Will there be Old Town Road? I don't know what the songs will be in heaven, but they're gonna be fabulous, all right? And we are moving with a sense of purpose toward that day because that is our future. And so here's how we end it. In light of this future, students, in light of where God wants to bring you, in light of what he's doing in your life, here's the call. Phones away, please, over here. We got a lot of phones out, a lot of phones out. Here we go. One more thing, one more thing. Here we go. Look what he says. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. That was your past. That was your, this is your present. That will be your future. Therefore, citizens, therefore, Colossians, there's only one thing to do. Keep going. Keep going, keep going. Students, keep going. I know it's hard. I know you're sad. I know I don't know what happened. I know I don't know what happened yesterday. Keep going. He says, this is the future to which we are all heading if you continue in the faith. Keep going, Mike, keep going. Micah. Keep going, bro, keep going. Continue in the faith. And look what it is, stable and steadfast, not shifting. So imagine someone who's trying to hike. Do you hike like that? I know, I'm sorry. But it's for effect, right? It's like theater. 
So imagine you're hiking, right? And every step you take, you're gaining ground and there's solid ground and you're standing and you're like, I'm not going back down the mountain. But then like, imagine like your feet are slipping and sliding and it's muddy and you're constantly shifting. You don't have a firm foundation, you're shifting. And he says, no, no, no. Hey, when I come back and visit, when I come back to Colossae, or when I go to Colossae and I see you, hey, when I hear about you, I wanna hear that you're not shifting, that you're not sliding. I wanna hear that you are stable, that you are steadfast. And I call Courtney and I go, how are citizens doing? They are stable, they are steadfast, they are rooted firmly where they are standing. And I go, dude, how can a student body possibly be that rooted? It's because look where they're standing. They're not standing on the slippery mountain. They're not standing on the muddy path. They are standing in the hope of the gospel that they have heard. Students keep going. And in order to do that, You must not lose your stance. You must not lose your solid foundation, which is the truth of the gospel. Well, I don't know what the gospel is. Go back. It's the story of what God, of where you were in your past, of what God has done for you to bring you to the present. And it's where you're going in the future. Oh, is it that simple? You want to share the gospel with someone? Tell them your story. Here's what I was. My past. Here's where I am now. I'm not perfect, but I'm in, the, I'm in the present. I'm reconciled to God. And here's the best part of my story. It's the part that hasn't happened yet. It's my future. That's the gospel. It's waking up every day, students, and reminding yourself of where you've come from and where you're going. It's waking up every day and confessing your sins and saying, God, I know I'm not perfect, but I know that nothing I do can make you love me less because I'm in your family. That's the gospel. It's having conflict with your friends and going, you know what? We're not gonna be dumb. Let's just reconcile and work through this because God of the universe has reconciled with me. Therefore, in light of that gospel, we can work this out. Keep going, students. Keep going. This is the future that is waiting for us. And we will all get there. I'm telling you, like, this is a real thing. Like, we're going to be partying in heaven. There's going to be a marriage supper. And you're like, wow, where's the bride and the groom? You are the bride. He is the groom. It's for you. You made it. If you keep going. Keep going. And on that day the marriage supper, as they used to call it, at the wedding ceremony. It's gonna be dope. And I'm gonna read this to you right now. I'm gonna read to you a little picture. This is the final picture. You can follow along if you'd like, or you can just listen. Revelation chapter 19, verses six through nine. You wanna know what the party's gonna look like? You go to the little, uh, what is it? Tie the Knot website or Etsy or one of those wedding websites, and they give you a little preview. Here's the wedding. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. You ever go to the mall when it's like packed and you just, you just listen? And it's like, Whoa. you know, it's like, this is that, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? The mall buzz. What? You guys know what I'm talking about. You go to the mall and it's just so loud in there. You just like hear like the echoes of echoes of people. It's like the mall. Oh. What? Go to the mall, 
post COVID, go to the mall and just close your eyes and listen, especially in the food court. It's just like this, like, oh, it's just like a buzz, you know? You know what I'm talking, yo, you mall rats know what I'm talking about. Anyway, there are so many people, you're dead to me. There are so many people that this is what it sounds like. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. It was so loud at the party. Why was it loud? Because they were all crying out the same thing. Hallelujah. For the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Have you been invited to the marriage supper of the lamb? Have you been reconciled to God and made his bride? Then get ready. Get ready, students. And when I come back a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, whatever it is, when I see you and you're all grown up and you're in college and you're out of college and you're married and you're having kids, oh my gosh, and now your kids are in youth group, in that day, may it be said that you are still getting ready and that you are still going. Keep going. Keep going, Jordan. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going.